Heavenly Father, you have purified us for your use. May we be diligent by your grace and mercy and through the power of your Holy Spirit to root out the sin which distracts us from focusing on distracts us from focusing upon you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Was anybody a Boy Scout when growing up or grew up with a fireplace or a wood stove that you heated your house with? At least, well, we got half the church. (laughs) Or one side of the church. That was a a weird split up there. But perhaps if you're like me, you remember when you learned to build a fire, how there was sort of this process that went into building that fire. You, you crumpled the paper, and then you got the twigs, or the, the tinder, or the kindling, and then you got bigger wood and bigger wood. But it started with that little spark. You, you started on the, on the paper, and then it eventually got to the bigger wood and bigger wood until you got a fire going that could keep you warm, or perhaps you cooked on it, or perhaps some other reason that you had started that fire. Fire is one of those things that once we learned how to harvest it, it was profoundly useful for humanity. It allowed us to cook. It allowed us to have light at night. It allows us to have heat in our house or wherever we are. And back when people roamed out in the wilderness, it scared away all of the possible predators, or at least in theory, if you believe Hollywood. That was supposed to be funny, but that's okay. But we also know that fire can be bad. Fire can be harmful. We live in a place where we have a genuine fear of fire at certain parts of the year where we're not allowed to have fires outside or even smoke in certain areas. We pray for firefighters regularly because of this. We pray for those communities that could be affected by fire. Fire is this kind of double-edged sword, but fire is also a good metaphor for our spiritual life. You can either burn for Christ, which is good, or you can burn for something else. And we'll see how this plays out as we finish up the first chapter of St. Peter this morning. St. Peter writes, having purified your soul by your obedience to the truth for for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass, And all its glory is like the flowers of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. St. Peter says that we have purified our souls. Imagine for a minute if you found out that the vestry and I were talking and were like, you know, our budget's a little off and we need to make some more money. Maybe we could rent the church out for parties. No. <laughs> Glad you laughed. I thought shock would be the response, but that <laughs> laughter works as well. If we really did that, you would be scandalized and angry, and you'd probably fire me on the spot, which would be a really good idea. 
But what about your souls? St. Peter writes, having purified your souls. Do you ever think about your body, your soul, your inner self as a vessel built for worshiping the Lord? A vessel built to be sanctified and sacrificed to him? There are things that can seep into our lives. Lust, anger, bitterness, rivalry, all that eat away at us. And if they're just left there like a fire, they build up and burn more and more and more within us. I remember once in the parking lot of a Trader Joe's, which incidentally, this is just an aside, do you know they build the parking lots of Trader Joe's intentionally small? It's really bizarre. But once in a parking lot of Trader Joe's, I met this woman who was so angry. And, so, and somebody accidentally hit her with his door. I think it was genuinely accidental. And she was just ripping into this guy. And I, I sort, of, sort of got in the between because I was really worried about what was happening. And she was also like swearing at him. And there was this little child. And I was like, you know, you can swear all you want in front of your own kids, but not in front of somebody else's child. That's, that's too much. And, I, and, and we eventually calmed it down. But the more I watched this woman, the more I was convinced that she was just an angry person. And I suspect that we've all met people like that. There's nothing that you can say that will make them happy. You can say, what a beautiful day, and they'll be like, yeah, but the sun's too hot. <laughs> and anger or, or lust or any of these, these feelings can boil up within us until they, they consume our soul, until they consume our inner being, and that becomes a defining part of who we are. And that's why St. Peter writes, purify your soul, having purified your soul, made it pure, gotten rid of all that junk, and made it a vessel worthy for Christ. I wonder, is there anything that you need to take to the Lord? Anything that you need to say to the Lord, dear Lord, I'm struggling with lust or with anger or bitterness or rivalry. But this is not a sermon telling you to be better. Have you ever seen those skits? I actually saw a serious one where the guy just was having a really bad day and started like picking out people and being like, you're terrible. It's like, whoa, calm down. But there's also some really funny skits where the pastor just kind of goes off on the congregation and it's a genuine skit. And they're just like, you're so mean. Why are you always mean? But that's not the point of the sermon. I can cut up here and tell you, be a better person. But the exercise of being a better person would be like that analogy I used last week of me trying to compete in Olympic-level weightlifting, where I would just kind of break my back just trying to lift those weights off the ground. We cannot be a better person without Christ. We can become aware of these things within our soul that eat us up, that hurt us, sins that distract us from service to the Lord. But our call is obedience to the truth. And the truth is, we cannot get there without Christ. And so we take these things. If as you pray about this, you realize you're struggling with perhaps anger, we take this to the Lord and set it at his feet and say, Dear Lord, how I struggle. This person hurt me last week or a year ago or 10 years ago, and it still eats away at me. 
Heal me. Help me to live a life of purity to you. It is through him that he heals us. I had one of these struggles, and I have, I have all kinds of struggles, but I, I remember one really clearly where I just was so angry about how things had turned out. So, so angry, and I was mad at the people that were involved. I was mad at the Lord, really, if I'm honest. And I realized that I was just getting consumed with bitterness. And I realized that that was so bad. And I read something by C.S. Lewis about how he had had this struggle to forgive somebody. And every day, for years upon years upon years, he prayed, Dear Lord, help me to forgive this person. And it hit me. I had to do the same thing. I had to bring that thing to the Lord day in and day out and say, Lord, help me to forgive this person. Heal my bitterness. Forgive my anger. And over time, he did. But it took a long time. It took persistence of continually waking up and asking the Lord for healing, asking the Lord for forgiveness for my sins. I'm friends with, I think you know that, I'm friends with the Orthodox priest in town and we get coffee occasionally. It's been some time, but we were talking about people's struggles with sin and how it can become overwhelming to a person and they feel like, well, I can never do anything about that. They feel like, well, I'm just not lovable by the Lord. And he has, he's great. He has all these stories. I wish I had all the stories that he had stored away in his mind. And he told me this story about how there was this man, and they have, they have confession in the Orthodox Church, like regular confession offered every week. And this man would run to his priest and say, I've, I've sinned, I've fallen short. And the priest would get, tell him he's forgiven and kind of talk him through it. And he'd leave, you know, 24 hours later, he'd sin again and he'd be back. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it was just the same sin that he could never dig, get out of. No matter how often he prayed about it, he kept coming back with genuine contrition in his heart, genuine sorrow for that sin. Until one day he's running back to the priest to seek forgiveness, and he drops dead. And Satan walks in to the heaven throne. It's like, well, you're going to take him back again? <laughs> and God looks at Satan and says, well, you did. God's mercy is far far, far greater than we can possibly imagine. And so there may be something that you struggle with your whole life. It may be one day you wake up and it's no longer a struggle. But you take those struggles to the Lord day in and day out. You pray for forgiveness. You live in repentance. And that is the obedience that the Lord is seeking. It's not this climbing in righteousness but it's a growing in total dependency upon Christ. A growing in total dependency upon him who alone can forgive our sins. And then he calls us, then St. Peter calls us to sincere brotherly love. That we love one another earnestly from a pure heart. And it's fascinating. You know, when you come into Christ, when you know Christ, suddenly you are adopted into this big family. And families are weird, right? 
Like, everybody has funny family stories. Some of them are great, and they're hilarious, and some of them are not so great. And families bicker. Families have a hard time sometimes. But we still love each other. And so on one side, when we come into the church, we become brothers and sisters in Christ in all our imperfections, all our good things that we have. We love one another. But then he turns it on, his, on that head and calls us to love earnestly from a pure heart. We are called then to love one another as Christ has loved us. And again, this is one of those things where I can be like, you all need to love each other. <laughs> in order to love each other from a pure heart, in order to love selflessly as God has loved us, this flows from the love of God. This flows from the grace which we have received from Christ. For once we receive how much grace we have received in Christ, how much more is how much easier is it to give grace when somebody's bickering about the color of the carpet or doesn't like the hymn for this past Sunday or fill in the blank. Grace becomes much much easier to give when we see the grace that we have received. And when we see how deep we le deeply we are loved, and then and then alone are we able to love as Christ has loved us. And this is what he gets at. This is why the center point of this whole argument is that since you have been born again, it's because you have been born again that you are able to have your heart purified. You are able to have your spirit purified. You are able to burn for Christ. You are able to love one another earnestly, fervently, with a pure heart. We are born not from imperishable seeds, but through the living and abiding. We're born not of perishable seeds, but imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass. And all its glory like the flowers of the grass. The grass withers and the flower fails. But the word of the Lord remains forever. There's a place up in Scandinavia crossed into the Arctic Circle where they store seeds just in case there's this cataclysmic event and we somehow reason need to reseed the earth. It's kind of a cool thing, and I always was like, oh, I'd kind of like to work there, because I, I did botany before, a long time ago, many years ago, in fact. <laughs> I thought that was a really neat thing. But the thing about the seeds, even in the seed vault, is eventually those seeds die, and so they keep them at a perfect level. They keep them really isolated so nobody can break in and destroy them. But even those seeds will inevitably be destroyed. And we live in a place where we are acutely aware of how fragile plant life is, right? In the spring, we see everything get really green, and that lasts for, what, three weeks? And then it becomes brown and dies, and the seeds fall, and the grass falls, and the flowers die. I'm, I'm struggling to keep our flowers alive at home just because I forget to water them. Um, and so they die, eventually, and the flowers fall off. If we trust in our flesh, if we trust in anything human, it will wither and fail inevitably. 
All things have withered and failed except for the word of God, which St. Peter calls the imperishable seed. And think about that. Think of what the word of God has been capable of. God spoke and the world was. God made promises to Abraham. Abraham was old. Abraham was older than all of us. And he said to him, you will have a child. And I imagine if, if half of us heard that, we'd be like, mm. <laughs> no. But God said, you will have a child. And from that seed, your seed will be greater than the sand on the shore. And we know that that came true, right? He spoke to David, and David, he told David that on the throne you will have an offspring forever. Christ is that offspring, and that came true. God spoke to Mary, the virgin, and said, you will have a child, which is equally as ridiculous as Abraham having a child. And Mary's like, excuse me, I know how this works. <laughs> and she did have a child. And that child was Christ who came to redeem us. And he spoke to us. And he said, unto this world a child is born who is your redeemer. And that's the punchline of the lesson this morning. The word which is spoken to you is the good news that has been preached to us. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. My friends, repent and believe. Carry the weight of what you have to the throne of the Lord and lay it before his feet. That is the good news. And if God could speak all of these things, if God could speak the whole world into creation, can he not bear your sins? Can he not bear your struggles? Can he not bear all which troubles you? Can he not cleanse you and light in you a pure fire, a fire ready to serve him and to love your brothers and sisters in Christ well? We are called to holiness, but not by our own will, not by some act of self-righteousness, but we are called to holiness by the grace of God. We are called to be on fire for Christ. One of the, one of the commentaries I've been reading as we go through St. Peter's epistle quoted, started this section with the following quote. Holiness flames in devotion to God and in love of the brethren. Holiness flames in devotion to God and in love of the brethren. If I could write like that, I feel like all would be well in the world. Is that not an amazing promise? Holiness doesn't come out of some sort of work to be really good. But holiness comes when our eyes are so intently focused on God that all that other stuff fades away. And when we learn to love one another well. So today, what flames burn in you? What flames build you up? What flames in your heart 
Is it the glory of God? Or is it sin that you still struggle with? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.